Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Wench Bench, where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Fonda. And my name is Allison. Today, Allison is going to be talking about Tulip O'Hare. Yes. So, Allison, first of all, can you tell me where Tulip O'Hare is from? So Tulip O'Hare is the main female character from the comic books of Preacher. Okay, I've never read the series, so this will be new for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I'm actually going to be strictly covering the Tulip O'Hare from the comics because there is a Preacher TV show. Oh. Which I didn't watch. <laughs> okay. I'm one of those people who couldn't really separate the source material from their vision on the show, so I just... I just couldn't watch it. That's I fair. <laughs> I know a lot of other people really enjoyed it, and I've heard that she's a badass in the show too, because she's quite the badass in the books. But yeah, I just, I couldn't do it. That's okay. So tell me what you like specifically about her from the comics. Well, Tulip is such an interesting character because she is so flawed. The design of her is actually based on Courtney Love. So, Kurt Cobain's oh. um, wife, maybe? I can't remember if they were married or not. But either way, the design of her is based on Courtney Love. So she's kind of janky, a little <laughs> kind of <laughs> rough around the edges. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I like flaws in my female characters, and she... Loves deeply and feels her emotions so, so much and is definitely not willing to hide them in any way and lets everybody know exactly how she's feeling. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty out there. I got most of my information off of comicvine.gamestop.com. It kind of was an overview of her entire story in the comics. So you can reference it? Okay. Yes. So I'm going to be similar to with my Dr. L.A. Sattler episode. I'm going to be kind of telling the story with a lot of breaks in between to talk about those points in her life. Okay. mm -hmm. The one thing I do want to know is I don't know the world of the comic book series. Is it different from other sort of like super-powered individual world? Like, what's the world setting like so I can know better how she fits into it? Yeah, so for those of you who have not read the comics, first of all, you should. They're great. (laughs) (laughs) They are for mature readers because they are full of bad words, sex, and a fair amount of violence. Oh. So that's the kind of world we're entering into. But they are also very funny, and the story is incredibly written. There aren't really any dull moments in the comics. Preacher is a story of a man with a deeply troubled past who becomes a preacher. By some insane act of fate during one of his sermons, his church is struck by a falling object, which incinerates his entire congregation and grants him the voice of God. This voice is given to him by a creature called Genesis, who is a child born of the unholy union between an angel and a demon. It is an extremely powerful being of pure good and evil. Basically, when he says something in his voice, like the specific voice, which is designed in the comics to be like a red kind of scraggly writing, you have to do exactly what he says. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Some weird stuff happens. Uh, He ends up finding out that the only person who can fix him is God himself, who has abandoned his heavenly throne and is now missing. With the help of an Irish vampire and his ex-girlfriend, our heroine of today, and a few other folks along the way, he plans to find God and kick his ass back to heaven. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, this story takes place across America. It starts in Texas, and it has some crazy twists, including an angel of death named the Saint of Killers, a shadow government program, small town conspiracies, and so much more. Oh, boy, this sounds... Yeah. 
wild. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So this episode will contain spoilers for the plot, but I am going to be focusing solely on Tulip's story, so there's going to be a lot that you don't get. If you're worried about those kind of spoilers, I don't really think that it's necessarily going to ruin anything for you. But if you would like a taste of what this nine trade paperback long saga has to offer, then listen closely, because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Spoilers! Spoilers! (laughs) You have been warned. I will no longer apologize for it. It's been out for how long, though, the series? Oh, long time. So we're... I think we should be fine. Very long time. Yeah. Yeah, and I almost think that even just listening to this, if it does nothing else but make you want to read the comics, then I'm happy because they are truly... They're actually kind of the reason why my husband and I got together. Oh. Yes. Yeah. When I was trying to flirt with him, I asked him to suggest a comic because he works at the comic book store. And he suggested this one because he knew that there were multiple books and I would have to come back. (laughs) Not just one and done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He also really enjoys these books so this is kind of our our couple story and he figured that if I liked them then that would be a good gauge of how much we would actually get along because there's some weird stuff in here oh that's good to know a lot of which I won't even kind of be touching on seriously that's okay there's so much weird stuff <laughs> that's okay I'm here for tulip that's yes. the only reason I'm yeah. here <laughs> yeah we're here for tulip our fabulous female is Tulip, who is not just a girlfriend character in these comics. She is an incredibly flawed and interesting woman. We're going to start at the beginning of her life because the comics kind of jump back and forth, but I have put everything in an actual linear sense, so it doesn't get super confusing. Her story actually starts out pretty sad. Her her mother died in childbirth, And so her dad was left alone to raise a daughter who he kind of was hoping was a son. On his part, which is really bad because you should be happy no matter what type of child you get. Exactly. Her dad had always thought that he would have a son who he could do all of that normal father-son stuff with, like hunting and fishing and camping. But being left alone with a daughter, he realized that her sex really didn't matter. And... (gasps) I'm so proud of him. Okay, yes, Yes. continue. Because as soon as he held his little girl, he just absolutely fell head over heels for her. She was his whole world. And he just, he took her to do all of those things anyways. Because those are things he loved and he wanted to let her learn them. He actually named her Tulip because her mom had always liked flower names. Aww. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, he raised her to essentially be a boy but not to not be a girl if that makes sense (laughs) i'm I'm wrapping my brain around it so he yes he raised her not necessarily giving any gender stereotypes onto her but she did a lot of quote-unquote boy things with her dad exactly yeah okay He also taught her, he took it upon himself to teach her all about war and how to shoot and how to love America. Oh, (laughs) slide that American point in. Yes. Yeah. He was a a good old boy, kind of. He was patriotic for his country? Okay. Yeah. Very patriotic. He loved his country, but he also wanted her to know of the darkness that the country holds as well. So that's why he taught her all about the wars and stuff. Oh. Her father also learned a lot from her. He learned about equality and all of the struggles that women go through in life, especially his little girl. So he actually argued with her principal because her principal wasn't going to let her go on the baseball team because it was a boys baseball team, even though Tulip was really good at baseball. (laughs) He wanted her to be judged by her skills and not just by her gender. I I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. He really grew as a person too, alongside with her. He wanted her to have every opportunity in life. Unfortunately though, he was killed in a hunting accident when she was a teenager. Oh no. Mm -hmm. 
And this started Tulip with a hatred of guns because it was was just an accident, but it left her as an orphan and she was sent to a boarding school. At this boarding school, she proved herself to be smart and capable, but definitely not a people person. The richest student in school named Amy Grinderbinder, which is the... (laughs) (laughs) Amy Grinderbinder? Grinderbinder. (laughs) The most ridiculous name in comics. Um, so Amy decided to befriend her at all costs. She would not let Tulip say no or cut herself off from everybody. She's just like, no, that girl, like, I want to be her friend. She's cool. As I mentioned, Amy was super rich. And so one Christmas after they became friends, she invited Tulip to her house to spend Christmas with her and her family. While there, they had a party, which was full of rich and powerful people. And unfortunately, Amy was about to get taken advantage of at this party by a bunch of rich kids. And Tulip saved her by crashing a truck through a wall (laughs) and firing off a shotgun. No matter her fear or hatred of guns, she just started firing off the shotgun into the room. Thankfully, she didn't kill anybody. But yeah, she just literally blasted through the wall in a truck. (laughs) And I was like, get away from my friend. (laughs) So she rescued her friend. Nothing happened to those boys. Obviously not. But also nothing happened to Tulip. Or Amy. Or Amy. Yes. Yeah. So she saved her friend. And when Amy's dad died, the two decided to take a few years off and go traveling. And they were a little bit rebellious as... As girl, as anyone does. As young women tend to be. It was on their travels when they went to Texas that Tulip meets Jesse Custer, the main character of our story. Their last names. So we have yeah. Amy Grinderbinder and Jesse Custard. Yes. No, Custer. Custer. <laughs> no oh. D. <laughs> I thought you said Custard. And I was like, wow. Okay, Okay, continue. No. (laughs) He was there with a date, but when Tulip saw him, she knew she had to have him, and so that did not deter her, even kind of. This is where we get into that gray area of whether, you know, those sharp edges. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That kind of thing. So she decided to seduce him and Also, at some point in the night, she shoved his date's head into a toilet so she would have to go home. Tulip, excuse me, girl, but what? (laughs) She wanted him. And that's all that mattered. But that poor other girl. (laughs) I'm just thinking. Yeah, nothing would get in Tulip's way. We see that in a lot of points in the story. She is very... Very determined. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. Maybe tiny bit flawed in the determination bit, but as you said, you like a flawed female. Exactly. Okay. It's not that she hates all women. She just hates the women. <laughs> it's not that she hates all women. She just, she just uh, hates the women who are flirting with Jesse. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. She has a good girlfriend, Amy. That's all that matters. As far as she was concerned, her and Jesse were going to be together forever. So Jesse joined Tulip and Amy on the road. They started to walk on the wrong side of the law a little bit after they all got together. Oh, no. Uh, their specialty was Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they liked stealing cars. <laughs> oh, boy. The danger only intensified the feeling and the passion between the two of them. It just made their love so much more fiery. Of course it does. Of course course. it does. (laughs) Best way to a good, strong relationship is to steal some stuff. It's not actually. Please don't take that to heart. (laughs) (laughs) Their romance... It's not the kind of romance in a comic story that you want to idolize. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily toxic, but it's really unhealthy for these two. I don't think the tone of the comic doesn't really come off as saying, 
this is what you should want in a relationship. It just comes off as saying this is their relationship. Oh, okay. So basically, their relationship is sort of take it as it is for face value, which is it's not healthy. But I'm guessing nothing yet has been done for their relationship where it goes into toxicity? No. I mean, the stealing cars for adrenaline junkie stuff is not great. No. (laughs) Neither is shoving his ex-girlfriend's head into a toilet. But they're both flawed in the way that it's very clear that this is the only kind of relationship that they could have. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're not really great people, but they try and do the right thing, which some could argue is the most important part. Effort is important. It is important. So after traveling for a while, they ended up in Phoenix. This is where Jesse actually leaves without a single word. (gasps) Yes. Yeah, they were in a park, and I believe Tulip went and got ice cream, I want to say. And when she came back, Jessie just wasn't on the bench anymore. What about Amy? Was she still in the picture? Yep, she was okay. still with them, but Jessie just disappeared, and it absolutely broke her heart, and it broke her spirit. Oh. After this, Tulip turned to alcohol, and oh, no. she nearly killed herself with it. So addiction is another storyline in this comic, and... It's very interesting the way that they portray it as something that is just a part of the story, not necessarily something that you should look down on her for, but something that happens to a lot of people, especially in situations like that, when the person that you love the most in the world leaves without a word. Yeah. And if you're like prone to that sort of thing, you, you turn to anything to make it feel better. Does... Does she ever find Jesse again, or is that just like Oh, yes. Oh, okay, oh, I yes. can't wait to get to this. Yeah, she is a major part. This is like beginning of the story. This is before Jesse even has the word of God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Intense. Lots of stuff goes on in this woman's life. Oh, so my. So much. So she couldn't hold down a job, and she didn't really care to either. To get clean, she actually borrowed money from a club owner so she could go to rehab when she realized that she wanted to get better. Oh, at least Mm. she... I think in any character, when they're the ones who realize that they need to get better, I I always commend that Mm -hmm. character because it's a lot to look yourself in the face and be like, yeah, I've fallen down shit creek and I'm either going to stay here or I need to find help or be my source of help to get out of it. And so I, th- I, th- I think that's just great for her character. Mm-hmm. She's flawed, but the fact that she could see that she needed to get better for herself, I think speaks volumes for the type of character you're going to explain her as. It really does. As we will find out later, this isn't the first time that she has to make this really hard decision to get clean and move past those addictions. Once she got through rehab, she had no way of paying back this club owner. So she went to ask him for a way to work off the debt. He said that there were no waitress positions at his club and she didn't want to be a sex worker for him. So he gave her the option of performing hits since he knew that she was great with a gun, no matter how much she hated them. Oh, okay, okay. In her desperation and need for the money, she went to her first job, and it was to kill somebody who had been muscling in on this guy's turf. She failed. It was an epic fail of great proportions. (laughs) As she was fleeing the scene, she hopped into a truck with a scruffy Irishman named Cassidy. This is our Irish vampire. Oh. Yes. Yes. So this is the third from our trio of the main set for the story. He refused to get out of the car because it was his truck. (laughs) And instead he just drove, drove away with her, just kind of embraced the whole mad situation and was like, yeah, fuck it. (laughs) Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. Don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. We're going on a ride. Yeah. I'm going to rescue you though. 
and as they traveled west, she would drive during the day while he hid under a tarp in the back of the truck. Oh. Because, as I mentioned, he's definitely a vampire, and he definitely can't go out in the daytime. Oh, okay. Does she catch on to that fairly quickly? Uh, she just doesn't care. Oh. Yeah, so she has so many other things on her mind She doesn't really think much about it. It ends up just becoming a fact. Got it. Okay, there's no, like, aha moment, no, like, surprise. She sees him sucking blood, just sort of, like, she finds out and she's like, got it. Yeah, they just kind of accept it. Okay. (laughs) In another twist of fate, as they're driving, just outside Anvil, Texas, they see a huge explosion which happens to be the explosion of her ex-boyfriend's church. Oh. Yes. Out of curiosity, they drive to see what happens. And Jesse Custer comes stumbling to them and asks for a ride. Cassidy obliges. So now for the really awkward truck ride, where Tulip's sitting there with some crazy Irish guy and her ex-boyfriend who's alive and well. It's a little awkward. Oh my goodness. Quick side note, where is Amy? When Amy, did Amy leave? Amy leaves when she starts doing the alcohol and stuff. Got Amy kind of goes back to okay. someone else. and Well, more Tulip leaves Amy than the other way around and Amy continues traveling and living on. Got it, got it. Okay. Yes. She does come back later though. Oh so. yay, okay. Amy's cool. I like Amy too. So since there was a huge explosion of the church, the cops obviously show up and they track down the truck that they're all in because this is the only person who walked away from an explosion that incinerated an entire church. It's a little fishy. This is when they get to witness Jesse's new gift. The cops catch up and he tells them all to drop their guns and they do. Before much else can happen, the saint of killers that I mentioned, who has been sent to hunt Jesse down, shows up and they beat feet and just get the hell out of there because this guy is massive and unkillable and he's like an old west cowboy with guns that never run out of bullets. That sounds like something Tulip must hate. He's a very intimidating character. Another, you know, enticement to read the comics as you get to find out his whole backstory and it's really interesting. The reunion was obviously difficult and made even more so by the fact that they were in the middle of a cosmic controversy. Yay! Yay! Throughout their travels, Tulip continues to try and talk with Jesse about why he left. But events such as serial killers, law enforcement, and a few near misses with death kind of get in the way. Jesse avoids talking about why he left. So it's a very strained reunion and they have a very strange kind of feeling between the two of them. Yeah, as one would in that case. Definitely. Luckily, well, not luckily, (laughs) the tulip is about to find out exactly why it is that Jesse left in a not really good way. Oh no. They are kidnapped by his grandmother, a woman named Marie Langell, and her two thugs. These people are the reason Jesse left. It was to protect Tulip from his family. Jesse and Tulip are tied to chairs, and over the course of an evening at Jesse's childhood home, she learns all about his past and the reasons he left her in Phoenix. His grandmother is very faithful in a bad way. You know, she's one of those people who uses her perceived connection to God as a way to excuse her horrible behavior. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And in fact, she does actually have a weird connection with God because he has allowed Marie and her two thugs to not be affected by Jesse's gift. Oh, no. No. What? Why? What the fuck? Because God is an asshole in this book. Ah! What a... What? This is a whole... Oh, I need water. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, Yeah, so this horrible woman who looks absolutely ancient in the comics, the picture of her is ridiculous. She's in a wheelchair. She has, like, no hair and weighs, like, 30 pounds. She's very tiny. But these two horrible thugs she have are just 
not good. Oh, no. Yeah, you, you get to learn a lot about the abuse that Jesse had to suffer throughout his childhood. You learn about how they killed his dad in front of him and about how they killed his mom. What? Mm-hmm. I know. He didn't see his mom die, but they got rid of her and left him in a coffin under a lake. That was his punishment, is I, they would put him in a coffin. I know this is about Tulip, but I'm just so... These are like kind of important facts for how it is that they... Why it is that they're both so messed up. Oh. Yeah, there's oh. some heavy, heavy trauma in these two people's lives, and this is all things that she's learning in the span of a night, is learning about his history and why it is he's so afraid of these people. Oh my god, okay. Even after all of this information came out, Tulip still said she loved him. Aww. Yeah, so she found out all about these deep, dark secrets that he had hidden from her, their whole relationship, that he was ashamed of because he thought she would leave or for some reason hold them against him. She proved them all wrong because she loves him and they're not what defines him. And it's beautiful. But they're still tied to chairs. (laughs) They're still tied to chairs. And unfortunately, when the sun rises, Jody, one of the two guys, uh, shoots her in the head. Wait, does she? Wait a (laughs) second. Wait a moment. I still have like three pages of notes. So this is not the end. (laughs) But still, what? Okay. You have me more intrigued than I was 10 minutes ago. Please continue. Yes. Her body is then dragged into another room, and once her physical form is completely alone, she is resurrected by God. God, excuse me, but you are a dick. Yeah. What? He is... Is he just toying with people? No. In this story? In this story, God is frustrated because the creatures he created in humanity do not love him the way he wants them to. So he wanted them to love him unconditionally. Like the Bible says. Yeah, but he kind of gave us free will, so we didn't. The angels love him unconditionally because they have to. Yeah. Whereas humanity, he wanted them to want to love him. And when they didn't, he was upset. Okay, okay. Yes, and so now he's very focused on Jesse and distracting him and the fact that Jesse has this power that can do a lot of bad things to God. Got it. Okay. Okay, so she gets revived. Yes, and he does this because he has a message for Jesse. All he did was love Jesse and wanted his love in return. That is why he brought Tulip back. And he also removed the protection that he had over Marie and her thugs so that Jesse's word would now work on his family. All he wanted in exchange was for Jesse to stop looking for him. He basically did this as a manipulation tactic to trick or entice Jesse to stop on his quest. And Tulip, being the badass that she is, just told God that Jesse would tell him to cut the shit and that it didn't matter that she was alive again it didn't matter what god did to her or allowed to be done to her it was not gonna stop his quest to get god back to heaven yeah does does she get any skills or abilities down the road besides the fact that she's just a badass and can use guns not really she's just she's just a stone cold badass okay just curious if like the bream brought back to life bit gave her a side effect or something oh yes no he just brought her back exactly as she was while all this is happening jesse is actually making his escape because he realized that his word works now he manages to get out of the house and sets it on fire the two reunite in front of the burning building and they escape together I would have, if I was him, I would have took that opportunity to go to my grandma and her thugs, knowing my word works, and be like, you will never come look for me again. He wanted to make sure that they didn't, 
no matter what because he doesn't still doesn't really know how the word works so he doesn't know if maybe when he loses it if that's going to get lost so he just really wants to make sure that there is no chance got it got it that they're going to come back and there isn't there isn't a chance they they done gone they they done get killed (laughs) they get kicked Is Irish vampire man okay? Yeah, the two actually now make their way to San Francisco to meet up with Cassidy. Oh, dope. Mm-hmm. So when they're in San Francisco, through Cassidy's ex-girlfriend's drug connections, the trio somehow end up at a massive orgy party. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Lots of weird stuff is going down at this party. If you look in the pictures in the background, like they, the artists went to town with the weird stuff going on. Oh boy. <laughs> it is here that an agent from a group known as the Grail named Air Star finds them. Hair Star? Hair? We're going to go with hair. If it's Star. German, it'd be like hair and it'd be for a lady. It is German. It's very German. Okay. Then yeah. Hair. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so this guy's a big jerk. And he has been looking for Jesse because the Grail, as the name kind of suggests, is holy. <laughs> yeah, is a secret organization tasked with ensuring that the bloodline of Christ stays pure. Way back in Jesus' times, in this book. They say that Jesus and Mary Magdalene had babies. And so ever since then, they've been keeping the children and having them have babies. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, so there's some really weird deformed beings who are, according to this group, the direct bloodline of Jesus Christ. That's what this group is about. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a lot of this story I'm not going to continue getting into. So please move on. (laughs) It's just little like tidbits for you to entice you into reading the actual comics because I'm not going to answer any more questions about that. That's fine. I don't really want to know. I would like to move on back to Tulip, please. (laughs) So Hairstar has been looking for Jesse. And he actually singles out Tulip because he knows that she has been traveling with him and knows that she would know where he is. Cassidy then pretends to be Jesse, and the two are whisked away to two different locations. Jesse goes and saves Tulip, and the two travel to the Masala Desert to rescue Cassidy from the headquarters of the Grail. Uh, Tulip was ready to join Jesse on this dangerous suicide mission to rescue Cassidy, because he's her friend. She wants to be a part of that, and she doesn't want to leave Jesse again. She wants to be with him extra forever now. I mean, she she died for him. Yeah. And he ends up not giving her that choice, which is... Like he uses his power on her, I'm guessing? Uh, no, he just kind of leaves her. Again? In a hotel. No! Yeah. He has a problem with this. <laughs> So he sneaks out of the hotel and leaves her money and a note telling her to meet him in New York, even if it was just to kick his ass, because he knows that she's going to be pissed, like real, real mad. Second time is not a charm in this case. (laughs) No. Uh, She was furious, obviously, and it brought up all sorts of feelings from her past Not just about him leaving her, but about being left out by the boys because she was a girl and being left out by the girls because she was too much of a boy. Her past was hard and so was her childhood and she thought that Jesse would understand that, but he is too much, he's too much like her dad in the way that he is a good old boy. He's very much men protect women and they're stoic and they don't cry. He actually said that the last time he cried was when he saw his dad die, I think. I believe that's what it was in the books. And he has never cried since, since he was a boy. So he leaves her and she's very upset about it. As anyone would be. Yes, yes. And having no other options, she goes to New York to wait. She hasn't decided if she's going to kick his ass yet or not. <laughs> but that's where she's going to be. 
Eventually, Jesse and Cassidy get to New York as well. When they see each other... (laughs) What happens? (laughs) Tulip tricks Jesse into letting her tie him up in in the hotel room. (laughs) Oh. And she leaves him there for a while. Oh. Yeah, so... Playful punishment. (laughs) Very much so, because, again, she's, like, even till now, even with all the time that she's had in New York, she's still like, I still don't know. I just don't know what I'm going to do to you yet. So she ties him up, and she goes and sees Amy. (laughs) (gasps) Amy's back! Yes! Okay, continue. Uh So her and Amy have a little chat, and she talks about her feelings, and how hurt she was and how seeing him again still didn't really answer her question of whether or not she wants to be with Jesse. And Amy reminds Tulip that despite his mistakes, Jesse loves her and all this fate, all these things that keep bringing them back together, Amy sees as a sign that they're meant to be together. Tulip decides with the help of her friend to see how things go from there. She loves Jesse with all her heart, but doesn't know if she actually wants to be with him just yet. Like, truly be with him forever. So, she's gonna go back to him and kind of take it day by day, in a way. And then things get extra complicated. Oh no. (laughs) When a drunken Cassidy confesses to Tulip that he loves her. Oh! Yeah. (coughs) Oh. Hot diggity dog how does this make her feel not good because cassidy is jesse's best friend she knows that jesse loves cassidy like and she knows that that would break jesse knowing that his friend was going to betray him in that kind of way so the two decide to just forget about it and chalk it up to having too much to drink and they decide not to tell jesse which is never a good idea. No, it's not. <laughs> Unfortunately, Cassidy doesn't let this go. And he keeps dropping hints at inappropriate times. Like when Jesse's there and Tulip is like, shut up. And she's getting very, very frustrated with this. The three end up traveling to New Orleans, where even more of Cassidy's issues come to light when they meet an old friend of his. This guy tells Tulip that he has a bad habit of destroying the people he loves. Not necessarily because he's evil, but because he doesn't understand the consequences. He's been a vampire for a long time. So human lives don't necessarily hold the same weight as he thinks they do. Like he's kind of... He's lost what it means to kind of be human. Yeah. If he had it to begin yes. with. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's lost, he's definitely lost a lot of his humanity and he really thinks about what he wants first and doesn't necessarily consider how that affects everybody else. Got it. Mm-hmm. As Tulip continues to grow suspicious of Cassidy, she starts believing his friendship with Jesse was more of a way to stay close to her than actually a way to be there for Jesse. During an escape from an explosion in Monument Valley, another adventure we don't necessarily need to talk about, don't want to give away too much, <laughs> Jesse actually falls to his death from a plane. Oh. Yeah. Um, does God bring him back? It wasn't God that saved him. Jesse survived the plane crash, I believe by falling onto bunch of hay or something it was like just a fluke he just landed on something that he actually survived uh tulip is obviously once again devastated at the loss of the man that she loves because this time he didn't just leave like he he fell it was an accident right and she returns to alcohol and pills to numb the pain unfortunately and this part's really this part of the story is always really tough for me to read because it's just it's so sad and they definitely write it in a way that you're supposed to not feel good about it you're supposed to feel gross and not 
good. Like it's not a good thing that happens next. (laughs) And they do a really good job at showing that. And so Cassidy is there with her and he is finding and stealing pills and alcohol for her to keep her numb. And he tries for a while to not take advantage of her in her desperate state, but eventually he gives in and goes to her. And so in her delirious and drugged up state, she is lonely and she looks for help, which is in my mind, still not necessarily consent. Yeah. And Cassidy knows that though too, but he's, he's weak too. And so you have these two weak, broken people together and it's really it's a really tough part in this comic to read because you see how how dark everything is and the apartment is always has the blinds closed so there's never any sun coming through and everything's just dark and shadowy for like a couple pages so yeah really bad oh boy (laughs) yes um so they shebang yeah yeah and this happens for a few months as they're Hiding and barely living, basically, because they're afraid that this, that the Grail's still after them, law enforcement's still after them, they're still wanted, and maybe even the Saint of Killers is still after them. They don't know, so they're just, they're hiding and existing. Eventually, Tulip has enough, though, just like she did before. She decides that she needs to pull herself out of this pit of sorrow and addiction and escape. In escaping, she actually ends up shooting Cassidy because he tries to obviously stop her from leaving. And she shoots him and she opens up all the windows so he can't really run after her because it's daylight. And so she runs away and she returns to New York to be with her lifeline, Amy. Mm -hmm. She goes back to her friend. Oddly enough, as soon as she arrives at Amy's apartment, ready to get better... Jesse rings the doorbell. Oh. Yes. Yes, yeah, so Jesse or had survived this fall and he went to find Tulip and Cassidy after he woke up and he found them kissing and he felt very betrayed and he ended up leaving to go try and figure out his brain. He goes to a town called Salvation, where some very crazy shit goes down, and he pulls himself together, and then he decides that it doesn't matter if she's with Cassidy the same way Tulip decided that it didn't matter that Jesse had a girlfriend. That was his woman, and he was going to go to her, no matter if she was going to tell him to just get out or whatever. He needed to know the answer. He needed to know if she really didn't want to be with him anymore. And so in those months where she was with Cassidy, he was in this town doing other weird stuff. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Not even going to get into that. (laughs) Jesse knew that if anybody would know where Tulip was, it was going to be Amy. So he's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to see Amy because Amy's awesome and just a steadfast friend. Reunited once again, Tulip tells him everything that happened with Cassidy from the very beginning when he first confessed his love to the whole thing. Jesse then does some digging of his own and finds out even more information on the mysterious vampire's past. When Cassidy shows up at Amy's apartment trying to find Tulip, Jesse confronts him and tells him to meet him in a few months in San Antonio and maybe then they can talk more. What's Tulip in all this though? Like how is she feeling now that one jesse ain't dead (laughs) and two she's in this weird uncomfortable triangle of emotions does it like it can in the comics does it really show how she feels for those parts or not really it does it also the comics do such a good job at explaining and or not necessarily explaining but showing who tulip is as a character that even if they don't tell you how she's feeling you can tell how she's feeling she's happy that jesse's back she's torn at the fact of everything that she did with cassidy but jesse forgave her essentially he's not ready to forgive cassidy yet but he also knows about her past he knows about who she is as a person and they in some weird messed up way they are really meant to be together these two they're both wholly broken and insanely 
fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, they they complete each other in a really messed up way. She wants to be with Jesse. Like seeing him die answered that question for her that she had when she was talking to Amy when she first brought it, when they first got back together again after he left her the second time. She wanted him no matter what he did to her. So do just a quick side note, because sometimes I always wonder, because I don't think Tulip is the main character in this in the comics. No. Right. And so I'm wondering if the writers had written Tulip, yes, as a strong female character, but do you think they also wrote her knowing that her main thing was just going to be so in love with Jesse? Because there's always like sometimes a female character will get written for a male story as just the infatuated love interest. Do you feel like she's the writers did a good job of making her more than that? Or do you think there's kind of a flaw in, in how she's written where it could be portrayed as her only reason to be there is to be supportive and to be the love interest of the main male character? See, I think... I think she was, her general first idea, it really seems like, yeah, he needed to have a girlfriend. They needed to have a third in this group. But they did a good enough job where if you really look at the story, you could remove her. You could easily write around her and do different things without her. But they made the, they must have made the decision to put her in there, to give her a story, to really flesh out her character. And being wholly in love with Jesse isn't necessarily her only driving point. She didn't get better from her addictions because of him. That was her own strength. That was Mm -hmm. her own person. And he is just, he's almost an addiction to her. Yeah. Okay. So she's all in on everything she does. (laughs) Either she's going to be with Jesse completely, or she's not going to be with him at all. Either she's going to fall deep into her depression and her drug and alcohol abuse, or she's not going to. She's very all or nothing and but yeah it really it's hard to find information on like their kind of feelings of creating these characters I found it really difficult to find those kind of things when I was doing my research but yeah I feel like they it has to be a conscious decision to make a female character more dynamic in that way and in writing her in such a way that it's not necessarily just a female character Like, I feel like that's where people get a little too in their heads. I think it was um, George R.R. Martin who said when people asked him, how do you write such good female characters? And he's like, I just write characters. Like, it doesn't really matter necessarily what their gender is. It just matters what their desires are and her desires drive her completely. Mm -hmm. And I think if her only thing that she went after the way that she went after Jesse, I think if that was the only thing that she went after that way, it would have come off as quite desperate. Yeah. But in having her as a whole character and showing how troubled her past was and building up her whole story, you see why it is that she's so <laughs> obsessive and almost, but she's definitely not a, um, what is it? A, a girl in a freezer character. <laughs> Whereas they they gave Tulip her her own story. They gave her her own people, her own friends, her own things, her own desires, her own wants. She's not just there to be there for Jesse. In fact, he doesn't... He needs her to do stuff as much as she needs him to do stuff. She wants him there. Mm -hmm. But she Mm -hmm. doesn't need him to get anything done. Got it. Um, Which is why he tends to leave her when he goes and does dangerous things because he's stubborn and just a classic classic dude character where he's just like no I'm the man I am the man I am the man I must do the manly things and you don't get to (laughs) so Jesse has made a plan well Jesse and Tulip have made a plan to finally end things with the grail with the saint of killers and with god himself tulip didn't know how it would all end or how it would all work out but all she knew is that she was ready for it she was ready for 
all of this to be over, all of this craziness to be done, and for her and Jesse to be able to finally just be with each other without all the craziness, without all this other stuff. And this whole plan was going to take place in San Antonio. And the two took their time getting there. So they were traveling across in a car and they stopped and they made love and they watched the stars. They did and normal they people things. Did normal people things on their way to do the most unnormal thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> Yeah, like they just really got a chance to be together because both of them knew that there was a really good chance that this was going to be the last time they were going to be together. That they both might die, that one of them might die, that something horrible might happen in this plan and it might not work. So they really just lived in each other's love for this trip. And it was very cute to see. As they got closer, Tulip reminded Jesse of how he left her out of saving Cassidy and how much that hurt her and she made him promise not to do it again he promised but then he did it again Jesse! yeah so as soon as Tulip woke up and saw the note that he had left she decided that it didn't matter that he left her that she was going to go do this anyways because that was the plan So she strapped on whatever weapons she could find and set out to hunt him down, save him, and then kill him herself. (laughs) Of course, of course. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, she was having none of this. She's like, no, you left me once. You left me twice. And this third time, like, you're not going to leave me again, man. I'm going to come get (laughs) you. That's not how this works. (laughs) She never got the chance to do this, though. Oh. Mm-hmm. She fought her way through the Grail's forces and killed Hare Star herself, because he was a jerk, only to find that Jesse was already dead. He was revived, though, like she had been, and without the voice. He apologized for lying to her again, gave her the money that he had saved from their past life of crimes together, and let her go. Because when you love something, you let it go. Also... When you screw over the thing that you love and leave her three times, she also might be a little bit mad and might not want to be with you anymore. (laughs) So you have to accept that as your own mistake. (laughs) But yes, he has finally gotten rid of his voice that has plagued him and all of these things. And he finally has an opportunity to go and live his life normally. And so does Tulip. Is God dead? Did they kill God? No. Okay. They did not kill God. They kind of, there's stuff with the saint of killers and God and a bunch of confusing things that definitely to find out the real ending of this book. You gotta read it. You gotta read it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm basically trying to get more people to read the preacher comics. (laughs) She fooled us all along. This wasn't about Tulip. (laughs) No, she's just one of the best parts. (laughs) So next you see Tulip. Uh, leaving and she is caught in traffic in her car and she finds a note from Cassidy. In it, he apologizes for his behavior even though he knows it was inexcusable. And while reading, she sees Jesse riding up through traffic on a horse. What? (laughs) Because, of course, you need a fairy tale ending at the end of all of this craziness. You need to have something that at least somewhat is a happy ending. A happily ever after, as one would say. He gets off the horse and he begs her for her forgiveness one last time because he knows that he has to try at least one more time before he really lets her go. And he talks about how he left her because he couldn't bear to watch her die again. And as he's saying this, he starts to cry. (gasps) Yes. The first time since he was but a wee lad. But a wee lad. And seeing the man she loved crying for her was enough to convince her to forgive him. And they literally ride off into the sunset together. Just leaves her car there. (laughs) On the horse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yay. That's Tulip's story. <laughs> Aww. So what in it, besides the fact that you said she's flawed and you like the flawed female and you explained her character through it, can you just tell me which moments made you be like, this lady is the shindig and I support whatever she does throughout the series. Like, what would you say was the moment when you felt a connection of any kind with Tulip? One of the first ones is when she saves Amy at that party. When she's feeling so left out there and out of place because she's an orphan girl. Like, she's not really supposed to be at this fancy party and she notices that her friend is missing and her friend is in danger and she's like, no, like, I don't care. I'm going to save her. I'm going to do whatever I can to save her because she's the most important thing to me. And her relationship with Amy being so steadfast through the whole comic and you didn't have to have that in there. You didn't have to have Amy as a character. But for some reason in this comic, they're just like, no, we're going to give her this really lifelong friendship which was super cute and I loved it. And her her knowledge that no matter how much she hates guns, they're a necessary evil to protect. Not herself, never really herself. They're to protect the people she loves and the people she cares about. And so she's willing to get past her own feelings in order to do whatever she has to to save people. Yeah, so much of her story is her inner strength and her ability to get over her addictions by her own will. I respect her so much as a character for doing that and I respect the writers for making her that way, for giving her that kind of agency and she really does make her own decisions. But also she just loves the shit out of (laughs) Jessie. Just unapologetically, no matter what, like, he is what she wants and she's going to have it. And she is 100% the one who pursues their relationship. It is totally their, like, she's like, no, you're mine and you're mine forever. And that's how it's going to be. <laughs> he just sort of accepts it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so it's super cute. Yeah. So flawed. <laughs> <laughs> She's not perfect, but if she was perfect, I don't think you would like her. No. Characters that have flaws, no matter how big or small, Mm -hmm. make them what they are. Yeah. And like you asked about whether or not she gets powers from this thing, a lot of people don't think about the fact that Cassidy is walking into these experiences as a unkillable vampire. Jessie is walking in with the voice of God. And she's just walking in with her attitude and a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, yep, this is enough. She's enough. She knows she's enough. And it's great. Aww. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's Tulip. I know that Preacher may not necessarily be the kind of content you like to read, but I'm sure (laughs) there are some listeners out there who are going to get a kick out of it. And I hope that they try and track it down. Like we said in the Kitty Pride episode, if you are trying to track down Preacher, check with your local comic book stores. If not, I know Chapters has them, usually. And then there's always online. So there's always places Amazon to find Prime. It. There's always Amazon Prime. <laughs> so, Fonda, is there anything that you are excited about right now? I am. So, something I'm excited about is actually a movie. That's so I really like the Men in Black series. And the new one's coming out. And I know some people are iffy about it because they're like, oh, like, isn't it over? Or they're like, isn't it like, why do we have to have it be remade with like a female character in it? I don't really care about the negativity that's gained towards it. I'm just excited because as a kid, I loved the men in black. Me too. Like the, the only one I kind of didn't really like was the second one, but like the first one I loved, I thought it was great. And the third one was hilarious. That was good too. <laughs> and I just remember multiple times thinking how fun it would be to have a job 
with men in black and like you kind of see women in the series but it's neat being able to see a female character kind of have more of a forefront role for it so i'm excited to watch it whether it's going to be good or not i'm gonna go in with an open mind just because i think i might self-insert myself as the experience because that's what i wanted as a kid was to wreck aliens and help save the world and so that's what i'm excited for yes and all the haters can just back off because the Ghostbusters remake was actually really fun. It was funny. I thought it was so... And so it's funny because like both Ghostbusters and this one has Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. And I, just like you, I remember being a kid. I wanted to be a Ghostbuster and I wanted to be a man in black. <laughs> right? So I think it's... I'm excited. And depending how it goes, maybe I'll talk about it. We'll see. Tessa Thompson's amazing. Oh, yeah. But anyways, so that's what I'm currently excited for. And I'm waiting for a good time to go see it. Nice. Maybe we'll see it together. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> I don't think Nick wants to go see it. I don't so think Adam wants to see it either. <laughs> but my husband's just like, no. <laughs> that's what friends are for. Right? You need a good friend. <laughs> see the movies your significant others won't see with you uh, well on that note you can find us wherever podcasts can be found please make sure to rate and subscribe if you haven't already especially on itunes it will really give us a boost so more people can listen and find us and you can follow us on tumblr twitter and instagram at wenchbenchpod and if you want to reach out, you can send us an email at wenchbenchpod at gmail.com, which is W-E-N-C-H-B-E-N-C-H pod at gmail.com. All the art for the Wench Bench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Rekin, and you can find her on Twitter at Wherevile. I highly suggest checking her out. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.